Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you, and there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. When we left off last time, Paul, he was in prison. He'd been accused of and was being held on the charge of temple robbery, a charge that if he was found guilty was actually a capital crime. It was punishable by death. He would have been stripped naked, thrown inside the arena, and they would have released wild beasts who had been starved for two days, and Paul either would have been torn limb to limb or eaten alive. But being a Roman citizen, He was considered innocent until proven guilty. So he wasn't forced into a cell, but instead he was held in a room of the Praetorian guards at the governor's palace, which allowed for him to have visitors. And he did. He was visited regularly by Timothy and by Priscilla and Aquila. And while they visited him, they prayed and they read scripture together out loud, which had an impact on the guards who were listening. He, he even had the freedom to continue teaching at Tyrannus's school as long as he was chained to a guard when he went there. And just as he was making progress, just as he was seeing people converted at his public meetings and seeing guards and provincial leaders making commitments to follow Jesus during these private meetings in the lower floor of the prison and in these beautiful private residences of the palace, He had a visitor, a messenger from the Philippian church. His name was Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus, he brought their love and he brought their regards, but not just in the form of emotional or even spiritual support. He brought money. The church, they sent another offering and their timing, it couldn't have been better because while incarcerated, a prisoner was actually required to pay for their lodging, but wasn't allowed to earn a wage, which made it impossible for someone to repay their debt on their own. Sound familiar? I wanna talk about this visitation and about the effects of it in a message that we're calling The Expectation. So, once Epaphroditus gave the money to the prison for Paul's lodging, he gave Paul all this beautiful news from the Philippian church. News of Luke and Lydia, news of the jailer and his family. He spoke of the advancement of the gospel and the health and the growth of the church. And as Paul listened, I can't help but imagine that he must have longed to see their faces. He must have longed to feel their embrace again. And interestingly, to be an encouragement to this man to whom he owed his faith, Epaphroditus offered himself to the guards to serve as Paul's servant, and he willingly accepted these crazy, ugly, dingy, dungeon-like quarters that were allotted to a prisoner's slaves. 
But shortly thereafter, there was a turn and Epaphroditus, he fell ill, he got sick. And because of that, he would need to be sent home as soon as possible. And so while they waited for his retrieval, Paul seized this as an opportunity to write a letter to the church and his friends, the Philippians. He wanted to thank them. He wanted to promise that Timothy would return to them as soon as Paul's trial was over. And so he sent for his spiritual son, Timothy, who promptly arrived with papyrus and pen poised to record the happiest letter Paul ever dictated. And so Paul began. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and the deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you peace and give you grace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Jesus from the time you heard it until right now. And I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it's only right that I should feel as I do about all of you for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. And Paul's words of love and encouragement, they flowed as fast as Timothy could write them down. Next, so that he could soothe their hearts and calm their concerns, Paul talked about how his imprisonment had actually worked for the best and how the future for him had held no shadow. But, but he admitted that he was in a dilemma. Like, should he long for acquittal and more years of fruitful service or for death, to be rewarded for his service and released from this life, to go be with Jesus in the next. He shared how his biggest fear was that he might finally cave to the constant punishment, and in that, that he may betray Jesus. But not wanting them to worry, Paul, he, he quickly caught himself, and, and he said this. He said, I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I'll continue to be bold for Jesus as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life, it's, it's gonna bring honor to Jesus, whether I live or whether I die. Because to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Pen suddenly stopped. Timothy looked up. Something about that line felt significant. Somehow, someway, Paul had just summarized these intense convictions that they and the believers of Jesus, the followers of the way, that they were feeling. He did it in such a practical and in such a tangible way. And as the gravity of that sentiment swathed over them, Paul continued. He, he reiterated the struggle that was in his heart. He said, I, I mean, I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I, I long to go be with Jesus, which would be far better for me, but for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I'm gonna remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Paul then turned to the practical. He urged them to live in a way that celebrated, that 
commended the gospel to their neighbors. He encouraged them not to be afraid of the inevitable opposition that they'd face. He cautioned them that they, they needed to be of one heart and of one mind in their love for each other and concerned about each other's needs, being unselfish and not conceited. He then channeled this beautiful Hebrew hymn that he and Silas sang in the Philippian jail. And, and I have to wonder if maybe he didn't start to sing. He said, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not cling to his equality with God, but he emptied himself. He took the form of a servant. He was born in the likeness of men and letting himself seem a mere man, he humbled himself. He took the path of obedience to death, death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And with that, I feel like the cell, it seemed to fill with music and the whole letter sparkled with these golden phrases about Jesus formed and forged to emphasize or explain everyday concerns. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That my God, he will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He reminded them to rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men, the Lord. He is at hand, so be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It'll guard your hearts. It'll guard your minds through Christ Jesus. He reminded them that whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue and if there's anything worthy of praise, meditate on those things. The things you learned and received and heard and saw in me, do those things. And if you do, the God of peace, he'll be with you. And then he had Timothy write one particular line one particular line that jumped from the page, not just then, but continues to today. That I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Which when I read that makes me wonder, what things are you capable of that you haven't been doing? Forgiveness? Living with less? Living with peace? Loving your neighbor? Loving your enemy? Paul did that. He loved the people he easily could have considered his enemy, the guards. And by loving them, it drew them, but not just to him, to Jesus. And that love that he felt, that love that he exuded, it spilled onto those pages into this letter. It breathed affection for the Philippians that no distance could weaken and a joy that no prison bar could ever contain. And during the dictation, those guards who he had loved, who had become his friends and disciples, they listened intently from their guard's desk. 
And as they listened, their hearts were filled with hope. Their hearts were filled with peace. Their hearts were filled with joy. And as he finished dictating, Paul knew. He knew something significant had just happened. He knew he also had to get to the school of Tyrannus to share these thoughts with the Ephesians as well, which required the accompaniment of a guard. He had to be chained to a guard, but rather than deciding who had to accompany him, suddenly the guards, they jostled for who would get to accompany him. So rather than being shackled to the customary one guard, this time, Paul, he went to the school shackled to two guards because the guards, they were desperate to be connected to him. And I wonder who's desperate to be connected to you? What is it about your message that makes people want to be bound to you? You know, every problem is an opportunity. My pastor, he used to say, Paul was shackled to great expectations. You know, everyone's shackled to something. And so I wonder today, what is it that you're going to be shackled to? Are you going to be shackled to oppression? Or will you choose to be shackled to opportunity? The determining factor between those two is simply your expectation. I wonder, what's yours today? You know, watching this today, some of you, you have no expectation. And if you have expectations, maybe the expectations for your life, they've dissipated in the middle of this disease. Maybe they have fallen away in the midst of the struggles that we've had for the last four months. Some of you right now, you're on the brink of giving up and you don't know why there is no hope, why there is no reason seemingly to go on. And the reason for that is because you've been putting your hope, you've been putting your expectations in the wrong thing. The great evangelist Billy Graham, I said this last week, he said that there is a God-shaped hole in every person's heart. And I believe that this pandemic is bringing to the forefront the hole in every one of our hearts. And so today, we want you to have the opportunity to fill that hole, that void, that space, that openness, that emptiness that's in your heart. In the church world, we call it salvation where you admit that you're a sinner, acknowledge that you need to be saved and that you can't save yourself. And so you ask Jesus, the name that is above all names, to come into your life, to forgive you, to rescue you, to change you. And so today, we're gonna give you the opportunity to do that. And here's how. I'm gonna pray a few words in a prayer, and then I'm gonna pause. And when I pause, if you repeat those words that I just said and mean them in your heart, the Bible says that you will be saved. You will begin a relationship with Jesus. So if you want that, would you pray this after me? Would you say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Change me. Make me different. Make me new. Be my Lord. Be my Savior, in Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, we would love the opportunity to connect with you, to help you walk from this point that you're at to the point where Jesus wants you to be, which is more like him. We just call it your Jesus journey. So would you please reach out to us, give us the opportunity to help you. But I feel like we're not done. I feel like there's some of you, you're watching, you're a Jesus guy or you're a Jesus girl. If you were to die today, you'd go to heaven. 
but your hope is lost. Somewhere along the line, you have lowered your expectations, not just of yourself, but of your Lord. And so if that's you, I want the opportunity to pray for you today. So God, for my friends who are on this broadcast right now, God, who have given up hope, who have lowered their expectations of what they can accomplish, but most of all, what you can accomplish. Would you give them courage? Would you give them hope? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.